It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, April twenty fifth, two thousand thirteen. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is back on the program tonight after a week of absence. Dad, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Jacob. Glad to be with you. Looking forward to our discussion tonight. As always, on our Thursday night, Internet Bible Study Group, Virtual Bible Study. Looking forward to that and looking forward to your topic tonight, uh, uh, an interesting topic, one we haven't talked about much on the program. Well, you know, we uh, years ago, I, that's kind of weird that we could say about the Virtual Bible Study. Years ago, yeah. we did talk about modesty, but I think it's been on the order of five years since we had a show to discuss the subject of modesty. And so it certainly is appropriate as... At least uh, those of us here in the northern hemisphere, as warmer weather is approaching. Now we got some people who listen to us in the southern hemisphere. Of course, yeah. they're starting to put clothes on down there because it's getting cold. But up here, it's getting warm, and people are starting to shed their clothes. And there's a temptation for Christians to follow suit, and therefore we need reminders about God's. Uh, instructions All right. on modest clothing. All right. We want to talk about that on the program tonight. We want to hear from you at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Chat room is open to the right of your video window if you're watching us live on the program tonight. And Monty is behind the controls, and we want to hear from you tonight, Monty, as well. Your microphone is live so and hot, so there you go. We're ready to hear from you. Thank you, Jacob. All right. Thank you for being here. Uh, Dad, you sent out some questions to get us started on this, and we'll take any thoughts and comments about uh, the subject of modesty tonight, but you've got a few questions to lead our discussion. All right. To our update list uh, this morning, well, a little bit before noon today, we were a little early getting it out, but usually around noon on Thursday, we send out our update. We tell you our topic. We ask for your response. We've got some response. We're looking for more. You can get on our list if you're not by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Here's the questions we sent out today. What are some of the wrong reasons that people use to make bad choices about their clothes? Number two, often it's said that you can't draw a line in regards to modesty. Is this true? Are there any biblical absolutes? Yes. All right. Number three, to whom do the principles of modesty apply, where, and when? Okay. And finally, number four, if we make wrong choices about the clothes we wear, what other consequences will likely follow? Hmm, what about that? What are you talking about there? Well, I'm sort of suggesting the idea that this may just be sort of a, a symptomatic oh. thing, that, that if a person who's not concerned to be careful about the clothes they wear may also be prone to make some other spiritually bad choices and go in the wrong direction. Are you saying this may be one of those indicator sins? Sort of a bellwether the kind, be- of, kind of a thing. There you go. There we go. All right. Well, um, we want to hear from you on that tonight. Let us know your thoughts, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Number one, why are some some bad reasons people make, uh, or wrong reasons that people make bad choices about their clothing? Kevin in the chat room in Hot Springs, Arkansas, has already chimed in. He says, uh, they can't find, I can't find anything that is modest on the shelf. Therefore, if you can't find anything, that's your... That's no, your, that's, that's the, the reason. Your, no, yeah. it's, and, and, you know... Uh, I, I suspect Kevin may have heard that from some young women, for instance, maybe young ladies in the church or others who use that as an excuse. Uh, uh, that, you know, what am I going to do? There isn't anything modest. Well, you know, that sort of presupposes that the only thing you can do about clothes is buy some at the store. Right. Well, I, I think there's probably a couple things wrong with that. And Kevin, I'm sure, would agree. First of all, it's not true. You can find modest clothes at the store. Okay. Secondly, even if you couldn't, it wouldn't excuse you, and you'd have to make your own or provide some other uh, means of right. clothing yourself appropriately. But I think Kevin's probably right. All right, and uh, Jack in the chat room uh, sends in his suggestions. All my friends are wearing this style. Since they're my friends, I want to look like them too. Has that ever happened, you think? 
Absolutely. There, Jack is describing the very strong power of peer influence. Right. And, you know, we have this sort of innate desire to fit in, yeah. not stand out. Yeah. And so uh, peer pressure is very strong. You know, in regards to what Jack said there, I think it's kind of interesting. I, I, not interesting. It's sad, actually. But I, in the past, I don't think I don't. This is this is a dated description, but I used to call it the Britney Spears effect. Okay. And you saw young ladies trying to dress like Britney Spears to their disservice. In other words, they looked bad dressed that way. They did. They didn't have the physique. I mean, just from a purely humanistic standpoint, they didn't have the form to dress that way. But they dressed that way anyway because of the pressure of the peers. And and so that's just how strong it is. Peer pressure in regards to clothes is so strong that it can make you dress in ways that, that look bad, but you'll do it anyway in order to, to fit in. All right. Uh, Jack also suggests, I want to be fashionable. Wearing this style shows you're with it. I wouldn't want to look like a geek. Well, there you go. That's, that, you that, that, that's some of the excuses, yeah. some of the reasons they give. I think right. Jack's right. Okay, good, Jack. And uh, Kevin says uh, you can find modest clothes if you try. Uh, Tim says, I feel good about my body, and I look good in this outfit. And so there's sort of a, a, a proud showiness. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm proud. I want, I want yeah, to show myself uh, is, is the idea there. Uh, I think that Tim's right. I think that sh- some young people do do that. In reality, there are very few who do look good dressed that way. I'm, I, again, I'm just speaking from a, from a purely worldly standpoint uh, I've, I've used I've told this story before Jacob uh, uh, but not on the on the program uh, when when we have to go to Walmart I try to avoid Walmart as much as possible but when we have to go if Cindy, if my wife Cindy says there's just something she has to have mm-hmm. uh, I'll drop her off at the door and then I'll try to find a spot in the parking lot where I can watch the door for her to come out and then I pull back up and pick her up so that way well, your efficiency it's efficiency, plus I don't have to go in. Okay, all right, right. Uh, uh, but in doing that, you end up watching people because you're watching for your, your wife to come back in. Right. And I'm telling you, at the Walmart store, there there are all manner of immodestly dressed people. Right. But you know what I've concluded what have you, what have at you the Walmart? Yeah. That there aren't very many really pretty people in this world. That's probably true. Would you agree, Monty? It's, that's a brutally honest statement. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we got we got some fa- three faces here that may be leading to yeah, your conclusion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, and we include ourselves in that yeah. category, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But but what Tim says is there are some there there are a few. There's a very distinct minority of people who probably think that they look good and maybe they do look good and they and therefore they're showing off their bodies. The vast majority of people don't look good dressed that way, but they do it anyway, as we were saying, because of the of the peer pressure. All right, Kevin uh, has his wife on the line tonight, and uh, Sherry says some women want the effect that they have on men, the power uh, they have by dressing in a way that a man wants to look at them. They, so uh, Sherry says you do it, they would do it for power. I think that's right. Okay, I thank think. you, Sherry, for that. Jack says, I will say that if you're a girl, there are challenges to finding modest clothes. Yes, you can find modest girl clothing, but it is much harder to find than modest men's clothing. I know because I've gone with my girls and my wife. Uh, clothes shopping. I think that's right. I, I, I would agree. Jeff, Jack is a tough man to, to endure Man, that. Jack, come on. If you yeah. keep that up, Jack, we're going to pull your man card, man. You, you can't be doing that. Wow, that's And painful. we don't want other wives to find out that you yeah. did. Yeah, right, please. All right. Let's go to some email responses. Uh, Clay here in Columbia. And by the way, this is the Clay who was on the program with you last week, yes. Jacob. We yes, appreciate Clay, you, Clay for being on the program. He's going to take a little different angle here. I mean, yeah, I, don't he said, I don't think his angle is invalid, but it's no, a little different than what you were expecting. Yeah, he says, from uh, from your introduction, I'm sure you're going to talk about immodest clothing that is sexually suggestive, which I think would be included in 1 Peter 4, verse 3. However, I think 1 Timothy 2, verses 9 and 10, we'll talk about that verse coming up. Uh, 1 Timothy 2, 9 and 10, let me read that for us. Um, Got it here in some notes on it. Uh, oh, you got it? I will pull uh, it up here. Well, here it is. No, Yeah, First Timothy 2, 9. In like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. Yes. Uh, he says that that passage suggests something different, namely clothing that flaunts one's wealth and draws attention to oneself instead of God. 
that's immodest. That will be the primary focus of my answers. Uh, there are there are more older sisters and brothers who dress immodestly based on First Timothy two nine and ten instead of First Peter four verse three. So Clay is saying, and I agree with him by the way, absolutely. First Timothy two nine and ten, which is a passage we often bring up when we're discussing modest clothes. The context of that is talking about what we might refer to as overdressing, mm-hmm. trying to draw your t- attention to yourself by uh, excessively expensive or elaborate clothing and accessories. Okay. I agree with that. However, I think we can use that verse in a more generalized application. The, the, the passage is condemning anything that you would do outwardly to draw attraction to yourself. Any, anything in the, in the way of, of uh, adornment that you would have on your body that is used to attract yeah. the view of others. Right. So it could be overly dressing, excessive, yeah. uh, expensive clothes. It could be underdressing. I, th- I think the principle there in that passage is certainly the context there is of overdressing, but I think the principle also applies. But here's what. But he does say that those who are older may have the problem. You know, I think true. that's right. I think that's right. I think that older people that would be the the, the danger for older people more yeah. than underdressing. Yeah. You you see a few old men, money, who don't have the good sense to keep themselves covered, but uh, usually as we get older, we get a little better sense about that. Yeah, as we get older, I think we finally come to the realization that we don't look like Charles Atlas anymore. And <laughs> never <got> did. <laughs> never did, but if we ever did, we don't anymore. And so we got sense enough maybe, or just through dumb luck or whatever, we, we managed to keep ourselves covered better than what quite often I think the females do. Okay. But here's what Clay goes on to say. Some wrong reasons people use to make bad choices about clothes. He says one of the wrong reasons that people use to make bad choices in selecting their clothing, clothing is that they think just because an article of clothing is not sexually suggestive that it is modest. I would submit that the point of modest apparel that Paul's making in 1 Timothy 2.9 is that women should wear clothing that does not flaunt their wealth or clothing that doesn't draw attention to themselves. Therefore, a dress might be modest sexually, speak, sexually speaking, but totally immodest because of its price tag or because it draws attention to oneself through labels or colors and so forth. I think that's right. I, I, I agree with uh, Clay's analysis of that context in First Timothy 2. I would, I would go further, though, to say that the principle of that text is, if you were to generalize the principle, the principle is don't attra- draw, try to draw attention to yourself by the way you dress. It's talking about too much dress there, but it could apply to too little dress as well. Okay. All right. Uh, Ramona in Texas says everyone else is doing it. And uh, that uh, goes along the lines of what Jack had just mentioned. So uh, that's a good one. Uh, it's the latest fashion. Uh, again, Jack had mentioned something like that. And uh, and then uh, Sherry, uh, Kevin's wife, had said uh, about attracting the opposite se- sex. Uh, Ramona echoes that as well. Want to attract a, a member of the opposite sex, whether male or female. Uh, right. She concludes this goes for the male sex, not just the girls or female sex. Thank you, right. R- Ramona. All right. And uh, Chris in Atlanta says... Many people like to use societal customs as a reason to dress immodestly. They say that what is acceptable and unacceptable has changed over the millennia. Fortunately, we have a standard that never changes. It's called the Word of God. I've heard Christians use the following justification for dressing immodestly. If we have our kids wear clothes that stand out from what everyone else is wearing, then they will draw unnecessary attention to themselves, which is wrong. I respond by saying that while it's true that we should not draw attention to ourselves by acting unruly and rowdy, we are called to be a light in this dark world, and light is meant to stand out in a good way. And he references Matthew 5, 14 to 16. I agree, Chris. I uh, agree wholeheartedly. I had a preacher one time, Jacob. This was a preacher oh. who said that this is all determined by what is normal where you are. Mm-hmm. In other words, societal norms establish what is considered modest. Uh, and so I asked him, I said, well, if you were in the heart of Africa, mm-hmm. and the women there went around bare-breasted. Mm-hmm. Would that be okay? Is that is that acceptable? And he thought for a minute, he said, well, I guess it would be. Well. Uh, I, I was flabbergasted. Yeah. Uh, it, it obviously is not. Okay, it is not. Uh, Chris, in the U.K., let's see what they think over across the pond tonight. Chris says modesty is a Victorian thing and therefore is no longer relevant. That's, that's one reason somebody might. Uh, make in other words, that's old, basically saying that's way old fashioned. Yeah, you try to tell us dress that's way we old fashioned. Do that anymore. Yeah. Modesty is prudishness, all about spoiling fun. Yeah, you're not going to let us have any fun. You'll make us dress that way. We can't have okay. any fun. Modesty is not natural. It's just not allowing people to see what God has made to make us attractive. Mm, well, 
There you go. In other words, he's saying the argument. He, in other words, he's making these, he's making these false arguments. Right, right. And we're asking him to. Yeah, you ask. And he's saying some people say, "Well, God, God made me beautiful. I should show my beauty. Show it off." Well, uh, what what about those of us who are ugly? Well, <laughs> we should cover it up. I guess. Well, I Modesty is solely for women and has nothing to do with men. So and that's not true. Making, and yeah. that's an excuse. Well, we've heard. Uh, we've heard, a, we've heard People make that claim. And he, he added today. one little addendum to his emails, Jacob. He said, uh, in Paul's letter to Timothy, he warns about braiding of hair and overly showy clothing. We need to guard against this, uh, if, if I can say this, bling or excessive makeup or cosmetic enhancement. Yeah. To show that how I appear or the fact that I think my material worth is far more important than the character that Jesus is forming in me, the displays of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, and so forth. Uh, or the good deeds that the Father has prepared for us to do, these shine more and are more beautiful than these temporal things. In other words, some people have the mistake of trying to emphasize their physical appearance more than their spiritual side. Okay. All right, I'm going to emphasize that we take a break. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. The chat room has been very busy tonight, and uh, we're looking forward to more thoughts in the chat room as well. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. Hi, I'm Anthony Petrochko, a member of the College View Church of Christ. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study. We want to remind you that our website, www.collegeview.com or www.thevirtualbiblestudy.com, has lots of valuable study tools available for your use. First, you can find archives of all our past programs there. We've covered a wide variety of topics, including doctrinal issues, moral and ethical questions, and many things related to living daily as a Christian. And while we don't have a search engine option on our website, remember that you can hit Control-F and type in a keyword. You'll then see that keyword highlighted on the page. For instance, if you hit Control-F and typed in the word worship, you'd find these past programs that we've conducted. Does it matter how we worship? What about contemporary worship and hand clapping? Our worship, pleasing to God or pleasing to man, and instrumental music in worship. That's just an example, but you get the idea as to how the web page can be used to help in your study of various subjects. Also remember that we have copies of our church bulletin on the website, and these bulletins include articles on hundreds of topics. You'll also find some recorded sermons, some Bible tracts, as well as information about the College View Church. So be sure to check out the valuable resources on our website. Again, the address is collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And thanks again for listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Be sure to tell others. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Where morality is present, laws are unnecessary. Without morality, laws are unenforceable. The best antidote to worry is work. The best cure for weariness is the challenge of helping someone who is even more tired than you are. One of the great ironies of this life is he or she who serves almost always benefits more than he or she who is served. You are what you do, not what you say you'll do. People of excellence go the extra mile to do what's right. Never decide to do nothing just because you can only do a little. Do what you can. You would be surprised what many little acts have done in the big picture. Man, I wish I'd said that. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight. We're talking about modesty and looking forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567. During the break, Tim in the chat room uh, said, Okay, but it can go to the other extreme. If you're in Pakistan, would it be okay for a woman to show her head? Modesty is cultural and varies by the demographic. I would agree with that. There is a cultural aspect. There you go. Go ahead, explain that. I think you're exactly right. Well, that's true. I mean, if dressed the way it, it has a cultural uh, aspect in the way of uh, sexual suggestiveness, as well as what draws attention to yourself. Just we could be fully covered and dressed like this a uh, hundred years ago would have been very immodest. Yeah, if you if you if you were able to time warp us into the time of Christ and we were dressed like it, we believe we're modestly dressed today. Right, right. We're covered. We, 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 and you're not trying to draw yeah, attention to yourself. Not, to yeah. fit in. Uh, but if you if you could take a person and put these clothes on him in the time of Christ, it would have been immodest yeah. because because it would have violated the cultural norms of yeah. of dress. So there is, as you say, Jacob, I think, and, and and we're not denying this. There is a cultural component yeah. to what is acceptable. Right. For instance, if a man came in tonight wearing a skirt, we'd run him out of here. What's the matter with you? Yeah. But if you were in Scotland. 
it would be acceptable. Okay. A modest skirt would be acceptable. Yeah. It would be modest because it's, it, it's societally or culturally normal there. Right. So we agree that there's a cultural component to what is considered proper. My, my, Monty's arm's about to fall off. He's been waving it so much. Go ahead, Monty. I think what the uh, one aspect of this is we tend to use the word modesty when we really should be using the word indecently dressed or decently dressed. Modesty has to do with being dressed appropriately or in, or in such a way as that we don't draw unnecessary attention to ourselves. We can be modestly dressed. I have this, this discussion with a woman several years ago. And she was talking about it. And I said, you know, you could wear your your pajamas and house coat and be covered from your neck, plumb down to your ankles. But if you wore that out in public, you would be immodest because you'd be drawing unnecessary attention to yourself. And I think that's what we were just talking about. She would be decently covered. She wouldn't be exposing her nakedness because she's covered from her chin to her ankles. But she would be immodest because of the unnecessary attention. So I think we need to... I think we t tend to use the word modest as sort of a catch-all for everything when really we're talking about modestly. Modest is in the attention we draw or not, don't draw, and decent is into how much of our body is covered. Well, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that because Kevin in the chat room also says, I find it quite interesting that modesty is degraded to the point that first underwear can be seen and also that people now wear their pajamas to town. Modesty has been traded for shock value. It is I amazing. I believe that's true. Okay. Yeah. It is amazing and sad. All right. So, uh, you know, really, Tim's question about, uh, you know, the cultural component would, will lead us to our second question we want to discuss, Jacob. And the second question was, often it's said you can't draw a line in regards to modesty. In other words, the idea is this is just subjective. And it would be subjective, uh, you know, this argument about the cultural aspect, some would take that and say it's all culturally determined that preacher i talked to said women in africa can expose their breasts and it's 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 normal okay. there so go for it so so it's okay it's right. mod right. well that's the culture there but but the culture there violates some i believe some biblical absolutes we asked the question are there biblical absolutes can you draw a line uh, Jack says culture should not dictate what we should wear. God's word is what dictates what we wear. Ultimately, it does. Uh, Jack, we would agree with that. Uh, but culture is going to have some impact in how uh, we apply the mandates of God's word. Right. Well, Jack, Jack's not, I think Jack has missed what we were trying to say. Culture can have a, have a component in determining the clothes we wear. It can't violate these biblical right. principles. And that's why he goes on. He yeah. says, culture now says it's okay to show one's midriff and legs entirely. And, and, and so there's a cultural right. trend that violates a biblical absolute. You can't do it. I, I, okay, I would say where culture is more permissive than God's word, we cannot follow culture. But where God, where culture is uh, is more restrictive than God's word, or we should Or compliant follow, with God's uh, word. We should follow the culture. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, for instance, back to Tim's comment, if we were living in Saudi Arabia, for instance, I think it would be appropriate for us to have our wives stay covered like the Saudi women do right. in that culture. Right. Uh, I don't think we have to here, right. but it would be a, a reasonable choice there. Right. So, uh, but but if, if culture says you can do less than God's word demands, then you can't honor the culture. That right. Again, back to my example of women in Africa. Right. And, uh, you know, Culture there says women sh should go bare-chested. Well, we can't honor that cult that cultural trend because it is ungodly. Okay, I think when it's the clear. apostles was, okay, put on, was on trial and confronted about preaching God's word, they said we have to obey God rather than man. So man determines what culture is and, and what that kind of varies because we vary our standard is an absolute. But God determines what's absolutely right and proper. So we've always got to be right and proper. And if we can do that while we fit in culturally, then that's fine. But if not, we still have to be right and proper with God. Yeah. You couldn't have imagined Jesus or any one of his apostles wearing pants. They didn't wear pants. Right. That would, and people would have been shocked to see a man walking around in pants. Right. But pants are, therefore, pants are a cultural norm, but we, we argue that they are a also meet the biblical mandate of what must be covered. All right. Let's go on to this draw. I think uh, I, I, well, go ahead. Oh, I, I just want to say this question, I think, this question about can you draw a line, I think this is a real key thing. Because I, I hear a number of folks, even a number of Christians say, oh, no, you can't draw any lines about, you can't draw any lines about 
clothing. And, and the idea that is conveyed is it's absolutely all subjective, mm-hmm. that there are no absolutes. It's just, and therefore, you, you've got your judgment about I got mine. And so who are you Back to criticize off. me? Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's up to us to decide what we feel yeah. is appropriate. Yeah. I don't think that's right. And I think that, that has become a very common idea. I don't think it's true to the Scriptures. Okay. Let's see what our listeners say. Uh, Clay says that's true. You can't draw a line per se. The biblical, and he's going to take the angle on the uh, on the drawing attention to yourself. So maybe a little bit different uh, angle than you wanted. Uh, the biblical absolutes are clothing can't be sexually suggestive, nor can it be costly or ostentatious. How those absolutes are applied will vary from place to place and era to era. What constitutes costly apparel? Thankfully, the Bible doesn't draw that line. What is costly in Columbia, Tennessee, may be extremely co- what is not co- costly in Columbia may be extremely costly in some other foreign place. Uh, thus, what is modest in the assembly at College View might be immodest somewhere else simply based on its cost. Or what was immodest at the, uh, the congregation where uh, Clay preaches 100 years ago would be uh, perfectly acceptable today, uh, that is, where women wearing pants. I know of a congregation that a few years ago sent sexually modest clo- women's clothing to some poor saints in Africa. The African women rejected the gift and threw the clothes away because it didn't fit their idea of modesty. Why? Because the skirts didn't come all the way down to the ankle. Now, whose standard was right and which was wrong? I'm grateful that the scriptures don't draw a line on what is immodest, but rather give us principles uh, and guidelines to follow. Because, frankly, I don't want to dress like they did in the first century. I got I respectfully disagree with, with Clay's comment uh, that the Bible doesn't draw the line. Okay. I believe that the reason why those African women rejected the gift was because it didn't meet their cultural norms. Okay. I don't think it, I, I, it, and I'm assuming that the women of that congregation here who sent the clothes were sending clothes that did meet the biblical norm. The biblical norm does not require clothes that go all the way to the ankle. Okay. You can't, now that's been, that's been common at various times and places all through history. Here in this place, it would have been common years ago. It apparently still is common in some places in Africa, but that's a cultural or societally established norm. The Bible line isn't at the ankle. All right, we'll talk about that. Yeah. All okay. right, uh, Ramona says, we should dress so that we look like Christians in our appearance, but many Christians try to dress as closely as they can to the world and get away with it, such as many young girls going to church services in shorts and in miniskirts. Romans 12, verse 2, she says, as we renew our minds by putting on God's word in our lives, we will not be conformed to the world's way of thinking, but will be transformed into our thinking, into the way that God thinks. Thank you, Ramona, for that. Chris in Atlanta says, in regards to the statement, you can't draw a line, he said, that's not true. The Bible may not give a specific list of which clothing is acceptable and which is not, but it does give us several principles we are to apply to modest behavior and dress. He mentions 1 Timothy 2, 9 and 10, uh, addresses modest apparel. Even though this is addressing women, I believe it can be applied to men as well. Job 22.6 implies that you can be naked and clothed at the same time. That's a key thing right there, and we're going to develop that here a little bit more. But biblical nakedness is an absolute. Okay. And and biblical nakedness does not mean total, total nudity. Okay. It, it doesn't mean that. We'll okay. see that in a minute. In Genesis, when Adam and Eve sinned, they knew they were naked and made clothing from leaves. This was not covering enough, so God made them clothing that covered much more. We see in Exodus that the priests wore tunics but were cautioned about climbing the steps of the altar and exposing their nakedness by others being able to see up the tunic. In Genesis and Exodus, the clothing mentioned covered to the knees at least. I would say at least. Uh, John 21, verse 7, Peter was in the boat when he was told Jesus was on the shore. He wrapped clothes around himself and then jumped in the water. It would be odd by the world standard to get dressed before taking a swim, but Peter was concerned about modesty. Okay. All, all good points. All right, and Chris in the U.K. says, the moment, the, the very moment sin came in, the first thing they noticed was that they needed to cover themselves and have modesty. Also, let me pair two verses together. Matthew 7, verse 12, Therefore all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye off, uh, even so to them, for this is the, all the law of the prophets. Uh, and Matthew 5, 27 through 28, sin begins in the heart. You've heard that it was said of them of old time, you should not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. It, he, here's uh, Chris's conclusion. It is not very loving for you to dress in a suggestive way and potentially lead another into sin, if only in thought, in thought life. 
Also, the description of the adulterous woman in the book of Proverbs is described as uh, in Proverbs 7, verse 10. And behold, uh, there met him a, a woman with the attire of a harlot and of subtle heart. And a definite sexual signal was being sent by this woman by the clothing or lack of it being worn, worn by this woman. The desire for a, d- a definite standard is not a bad desire. Parents, schools, and camps often want some sort of guideline because, because it seems that when people are given an inch, they take a mile. On and, that thought. And that's the problem when we leave this to be totally subjective. No no absolute it lines. It tends to migrate, doesn't it? Yeah. Let's, uh, let's take a break. And Tim in the chat room asked for you to give the verses. When we get it. back, let's, let's give it. the verses. You say there is a definite line. Let's look at the scriptures and see if we can develop where that line is. Okay. And we'll look forward to taking our thoughts. If you think, uh, well, Tim says those letters answered the verses. It answered some of them, Tim. We have many more. And if you have verses you'd like to su- suggest in the chat room tonight, we welcome those. You think we can draw a line? What do you? How do you make a decision? How do you know what is right and what is wrong from the scriptures? Is it just some vague, ambiguous thing, or can you tell? Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. We continue right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. I'm not a real legitimate fan of soccer. Oh yes, if there's a big match being played, maybe like the World Cup Finals, for instance, I might watch a little. And I do have an appreciation for the athletic abilities of the true stars of the sport. But overall, I'm not a big fan, and my actions prove it. On the other hand, I love football. That's American football to those of you who insist that soccer is really football. I keep up with the scores, statistics, and standings. I watch games as often as possible. I've even been known to sit out in the rain, freezing temperatures, and even a snowstorm in order to attend a game in person. I'm a fan, and my actions prove it. The same sort of analysis can be made about one's real devotion to the Lord. In fact, you could say that it's fairly easy to detect if a person is truly converted to Christ or not. Indications of such can be seen in many ways. For instance, attendance. Does an individual attend all the assemblies and Bible studies unless seriously hindered by illness or some other reason? If so, we would count this as a sign of commitment. But if their attendance is very spotty and many things keep them from the assemblies, we'd be suspicious that something is lacking in the area of true conviction and devotion. Or what about service? Does he or she look for opportunities to serve? Or is he or she looking to be constantly on the receiving end of help, visits, kindnesses, and so forth? And what about the so-called chip-on-the-shoulder outlook? Is this person one that is easily offended, even by the most trivial of matters? Are they ready to quit the church over some minor problem? If so, this would surely demonstrate a lack of true devotion to the Lord. This list can be expanded considerably, but we hope you get the idea. Others can easily see how serious you are about doing the will of God. And, of course, he knows perfectly whether you are truly converted or not. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. We've got a few questions for you. Well, just a few questions about the virtual Bible study. First of all, do you think people can be expected to listen to the virtual Bible study every Thursday night? I think it's perfectly reasonable. Well, uh, what would you say to someone who slipped up and forgot to listen to the virtual Bible study? Just don't do it again. What's the general reaction that you're hearing about the virtual Bible study? Everybody loves you and so do I. And we'd like to ask, can you expect to hear informative subjects discussed each and every week on the virtual Bible study? There's no question in my mind. Well, there you have it. People are listening to the virtual Bible study. Make your plans to be here every Thursday night and tell others. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the program tonight. We remind you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. We'll remind you you can podcast a recent sermon there that's been presented at the College of Church of Christ. Again, find out more at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. If you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we welcome you to come and visit with us at any time. Find out about our meeting place and directions uh, and our times of worship at our website. Looking forward to hearing from you. Well, we're talking about modesty on the program tonight, and uh, we're wanting to look at uh, how you draw the line. All right, so Tim asked us to give some verses that draw these lines, and, and some of them have already been suggested. Uh, let's go back to the beginning, to Genesis, uh, when the man and woman were tempted and sinned. Uh, before the sin, in Genesis 2, verse 25, it says they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. But of course, then Satan tempted them, 
And it's and they ate of the forbidden fruit. Genesis three verse seven says, "And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew they were naked, and they covered and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons." Now you can study that word in the Hebrew. The word for apron there is just a, a very slight covering of the midsection of the body, basically covering the private parts. Uh, is all that that word apron. Probably something that we would relate that to be something like a, a loincloth, maybe. A very minimal covering of just the private areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then, in Genesis 3, beginning verse 8, they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. And the Lord God called to Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked. And I hid myself. Well, he he had the, he had his apron on, oh, okay. but he said he he still felt naked. Uh-huh. And apparently, God agreed because part, after explaining the curse that would come upon them because of the sin, in in verse thirty uh, twenty four, chapter three, verse twenty four, unto Adam and also am I reading that right? Is that yeah, that no, it's twenty one three twenty one. Unto Adam also unto his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. So apparently God agreed. They weren't clothed yet. They, although they had something on, they were still naked. They still needed more of their body covered. And the word coats there, you can do a word study on the word coats. And it suggests a tunic-like garment uh-huh. covering from the neck mm-hmm. to the knees at least or typically below. At least to the knees, but often all the way to the, to the, to the uh, ankle. But um, So there we see God establishing what it requires to be clothed. Okay. To have your nakedness covered. You're starting to draw some lines here. Yeah, there's a line there. Okay, so the midsection no, 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 In other words, if, if you just had a loincloth on, you're still naked. God says you're still naked. Oh, but you've got too much on in some, no, by no. some people's standards. Well, but I mean, think about a, a bathing suit. Think okay. about a man in a, in a skimpy bathing suit. Okay. He's naked. All right. In other words, can we, if, you, if you can't draw any lines... Then you can't say that that guy wearing his speedo swimsuit is immodest or, right. or wrong. Right. He's he's comfortable with that. He thinks it's okay. And if you can't draw any lines, how can you tell him that he's got to wear more? And he's a, he, and he's in a in a pool where everybody else is wearing that stuff. Everybody else is dressed so like that. So it, it's it's he's not sticking out. But there's no standards. It's, no, but Adam felt naked when he had that much clothes on, and God agreed that he was naked and and made him. And we see what God made to clothe them. It says God made them coats and clothed them. He covered from the neck, covering the torso of the body, and the leg, the thigh, to the knee at least or below. Now, you're gonna now there, I'm going to tell you, there's a line right there. There's a line. Now, now that's, you haven't, you haven't uh, def- oh, no. wait a minute. That's Old Testament. That's Old Testament. Yeah, what are you do we don't live by the Old Testament. So what are you going to do, Monty? Uh, Monty, that's Old Testament. Well, the New Testament teaches us that there's things that we need to be learning from the Old Testament. It says that it was put there for our learning. And I believe as we look at that, we can see and determine that what God's attitude is as to how much of our body needs to be clothed in order to cover our nakedness. And I don't see anything throughout the whole Bible that would suggest to me that his attitude about that has changed. And we use the Old Testament to get God's definition. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. What we're doing here is just using this Old Testament text as a as a defining point. Okay. Then another real good text, and, and Chris mentioned this in his email, Exodus 29, verse 40, beginning. Here's Here Moses was being given by God a description of how the priest would be clothed and dressed. Mm-hmm. Now, we're not, we're not Old Testament priests, and we're not saying we have to dress like the priest dress. We, but again, we're looking for something. By way of definition here, some some line. Okay. Exodus 28, verse 40. For Aaron's sons, thou shalt make coats, and thou shalt make for them girdles, and bonnets shalt thou make for them for glory and for beauty. And thou shalt put them on Aaron and his brother, uh, Aaron thy brother, and his sons with him, and shall anoint them, and consecrate them, and sanctify them, that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. Verse 42. And thou shalt make them linen breeches, or breeches, to cover their nakedness. From the loins even unto the thighs they shall reach, and they shall be upon Aaron and upon his sons. When they come into the tabernacle of the congregation, or when they come near to the altar to minister in the holy place, that they bear not iniquity and die, it shall be a statute forever unto him and his seed after him. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. So here, now, now obviously, 
this is describing the lower half of the body. Okay. But it says that we already these, got the upper half of the body covered with the with the, the, the tunic. Coat. Thing. Yeah, the tunic. And, okay. And, but here, specifically addressing the lower part of the body, if you expose the thigh of the leg, you're exposing nakedness. Now, verse 42 of Exodus 28. You should make them linen breeches to cover their nakedness. Now these breeches were to cover their nakedness, so whatever they covered would cover that nakedness. In, in regards to that part of the body, yeah, at least. that part of the body. So it is from the loins even to the thighs. They shall reach. Hmm. So these were covering the thigh. Yeah. And right. so there's a line. Yeah. God doesn't want us to expose our thigh. Yeah. I mean, that's a line. Sounds like it to me. Here's another verse that confirms that. Isaiah 47, beginning verse 1. Here the prophet Isaiah is pronouncing God's judgment against Babylon. Okay. And telling some of the consequences of their evil and how God would treat them. Come down, this is Isaiah 47, verse 1. Come down and sit in the dust, O virgin daughter of Babylon. Sit on the ground. There is no throne, O daughter of the Chaldeans. For thou shalt no more be called tender and delicate. Take the millstones and grind meal. Uncover thy locks. Make bare the leg. Uncover the thigh. Pass over the rivers. Thy nakedness shall be uncovered. Yea, thy shame shall be seen. So notice, uncovering the thigh was exposing nakedness. Now, that's a figurative passage. That's figurative, but you... When you're reading a figurative passage, the the prophet there is drawing a spiritual application of an understood physical physical principle. principle. Okay. All right. Very good. Now, that looks like a line to me, and maybe we want our listeners... Feedback on that, 877-381-4567. Do you think that that is a valid conclusion that God expects our upper body and our lower body to the knee to be covered to cover our nakedness? It seems to be that way uh, uh, to us. What do you think? Let us know your thoughts. Uh, uh, it seems, like we, it seems to me like it's so clear that that's a line, and we need to establish those absolutes. Okay. People need to be taught those absolutes and not be leaving this in the area of a totally subjective judgment on their part. Because I've heard young women say, well, I've got a modest two-piece swimming suit. Right. Can you imagine any woman's swimming suit, two-piece, or a swimming suit at all uh, of the modern uh, variety? But uh, here's a a young lady in a two-piece swimming suit, but she thinks she's modest. It's a modest two-piece swimming suit. Mm. I'm telling you, if we leave this to be totally subjective and don't define these biblical absolutes, then... Young people are not going to be able to make the right determinations about the clothes they wear. Now, what you have defined is a line for nakedness, but you haven't got into the line for modesty. All right. We'll, we'll, uh, let's talk about modesty. Modesty is actually a step beyond covering your nakedness. It's more so. Okay. In other words, nakedness is an absolute line. And if you, if you, if you went beyond that, you'd be guilty of exposing your nakedness. A modest person... Is going is not even going to see how close to that line he can get. In in First Timothy two verse nine, a verse that's come up uh, several times already tonight, but the word shamefacedness is found there concerning how we should dress, and and in agreement with the concepts that were discussed earlier, you could you could violate the principle of shamefacedness by ostentatious, showy clothes, but you could definitely violate the principle of shamefacedness by not enough clothes. Vine says that the word shamefacedness means humility, a respectful timidity. Mm-hmm. In other words, uh, this person's timid. They're not. You know, somebody earlier said some of the young people say, "I, I, I like uh, my body looks good. I want to show it off." Mm. That's the exact opposite right. of shamefacedness. Right. And so, uh, the a, the concept of modesty and shamefacedness says we're not even going to approach that limit of nakedness. Nakedness is an absolute limit. So we're not going to see how close we can get. We're going to stay away from that because we have a respectful timidity and a humility about us. Right. Okay. Uh, that that's a that's a very key uh, idea and an instruction, a command that we're to have this shamefacedness and uh, the sobriety. We're to be in control. All right. Um, uh, John in the chat room asks a question: Would we consider that thigh, that thigh to be the same area which Abraham's servant put under? Uh, Abraham's thigh, or put put his hand under Abraham's thigh. Just curious as to how much is considered as thigh. Well, the thigh runs from the waist to the knee. Okay. And I would say, yeah, that's surely where the servant put his hand, under Abraham's thigh. I didn't say Abraham's thigh was naked. Right. He didn't say he exposed his thigh. Because <laughs> yeah. 
however his garments was. It doesn't even say he put it inside his garments. It just says that he put his hand under it. Yeah. We could go into more detail about it. I've studied before. A good place, John, I might suggest the image that Nebuchadnezzar had in his dream in Daniel chapter 2. Talked about the different parts of the body were made of different kinds of metal. And it talks about the thigh being made of a certain kind of metal. And it would run from the waist to the knee. Okay. All right. Good. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and take a break. When we get back, we've got two questions that we want to consider still. To whom do these principles apply? Where and when? And I guess you're asking, are there any places where you don't have to worry about it? And number four, if we make wrong choices about the clothes we wear, what are the other consequences that are likely going to follow or may already be in place? Let us know your thoughts. The phone line is open. Maybe you disagree with our conclusions and maybe you disagree with that line that we think the scriptures teach. We'd love to hear from you. The phone line is open. It's toll free, 877-381-4567. You can also send your your comments uh, via email or in the chat room. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. This is Stephen Nicholson, a member of the College View Church of Christ, and I want to invite you to be a regular participant on the virtual Bible study. Your input by way of emails and phone calls are always welcome during the live program. We're also open to your suggestions about possible topics for discussion on upcoming editions of the program. We'd love to hear from you anytime. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Sociologists from Brigham Young University and Rice University found religiously affiliated youth are 40% more likely to graduate high school than their unaffiliated peers and 70% more likely to enroll in college. The researchers note that teens' fellow churchgoers are an important factor, serving as mentors who help teens set their sights high. That information is via psych.org. The Word of God says in 1 Timothy 4, verse 12, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. And we're back on the program tonight. We welcome you back, and we want to hear from you as we talk about modesty on the program. What do you think about what we've said so far? We're looking forward to your comments on the program. Uh, we've got a. We, uh, we're going to have to hurry, Jacob, to finish up. Uh, question three was: To whom do the principles of modesty apply? Where and when? I would say these principles of modesty and covering your nakedness apply to men and women. One yep. of the words we haven't really discussed tonight is lasciviousness. Yep. Both men and women have to guard against the sin of lasciviousness, right. uh, and so it's applicable to men and women alike. By the way, I don't know where men ever where it became acceptable for men to expose their chest or torso. Right. Uh, God clothed both Adam and Eve with coats. Right. Uh, and so uh, we, we, I don't know where that came from. It, it, I think it's it's applicable for children as well. I think we need to teach our children, yeah. even from an early age, right. about modesty. Right. You know, uh, I don't know. What, I don't know what rule would say, well, it doesn't apply until you get to you're 10 years old or 12 right. years old. No, I don't think so. Well, and the other thing is, how do you teach? I mean, where, how, what kind of message are you giving them? I mean, I, well, is it, if it's okay for them to walk around in modestly clothed when they're young, would it be okay for them to use curse words when they're young? And, oh, well, you're 12 now. You can't talk like that. Yeah. Or you, well, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't, uh, I don't know, whatever. But you can't steal anymore because you're 12. Yeah. You know, our children aren't stupid. And they're going to understand if you all of a sudden change the rules on them, they're going to say, well, why hey, can't I do it now? I used to get to do that. What's up with that? Yeah, you know, what yeah, changed? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Uh, uh, and certainly, we we I think consistency is a rule about who applies to. What about the preacher? If, if, you know, if you can dress that way, can the preacher dress that way? If you can dress that way, can the elders dress that way? Yeah. Somebody, I, I'm sure some people, some Christians even have this double standard. If the elders of the church dress the very way they dress, yeah. they'd be upset. Right. Well, that's that's a false double standard. Can't okay. be so. It okay. applies to everybody. You know, Paul yeah. told on Mars Hill, as far as that goes, that talking about the idolatrous worship and all, but the principle applies to all of us. God requires now that all men everywhere repent. So if the way we were dressing was wrong, all men everywhere are, are held to that same standard, and we're required to repent and change our way and conform to God's will. Okay. All right. Uh, so we got. The rules of modesty apply to everybody. 
where? Everywhere. You know, you know. I hear some people say, well, on the beach in Florida, it's different. Everybody's doing it. It's not different on the beach in Florida. Okay. Well, by what biblical principle would you say it'd be different if you're at the beach in Florida? Right. It's not. Okay. Uh, it's also, uh, I've made this point a lot through the years, but I, I, it just doesn't seem to register for some people. If, if I'm wearing shorts, for instance, and they come to my knee, mm-hmm. well, that's all we can demand, right? We said there's a line at the knee. There's something wrong with trying to see how close to that line I can get. But let's say I've got that line okay, covered. Okay, you got it. You got it. Okay. But then I sit down. Right. And my shorts ride halfway up my thigh. Right. Now while I'm sitting, I'm exposing my thigh. Right. That's that's both not modest and it's exposing nakedness. Right. So in other words, it's got to apply all the time wherever I am and in whatever activity I'm involved in. Uh, playing in sports is not justification for immodest clothes. Some I know some Christians who apparently think that if you're playing in sports or if you're working out, then you can dress immodestly. Why? By what biblical principle would that be true? Right. Okay. Let's let's go to the listeners now and uh, get their feedback. Clay says they apply to men and women. Obviously, certain situations call for a different type of clothing. When I mow my grass, I don't wear a suit. That's because I don't even wear suits. Uh, but I would, wouldn't pers- pers- purposely wear my five-year-old mowing the grass tennis shoes. I think every guy has a pair of those. You know, the ones that are stained green and smell real bad to the assembly. He wouldn't wear those. Uh, but it, it would both would be out of place and draw attention to myself. So he's taking that uh, that uh, the draw attention to yourself angle. Uh, and so, But he, he does conclude that they apply to both men and women. Ramona says it applies to both men and women. Nothing worse than seeing a fat man in a Speedo. I would okay, agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, Chris in Georgia says all people everywhere at all times. I'm not referring to the times you take a shower, going to bed, etc. Okay? All right. Uh, Chris in the U.K. says to both sexes. He references 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 5. Uh, we're all commanded to be disciplined in the manner of our own vessel and have an equal obligation to dress modestly. Uh, then he says, now, what about when it's not practical? Say at the beach. We can still enjoy such places in one pieces, half tans, T-shirts, and shorts, Basically, bikinis and speedos aren't necessary. Uh, he says. So he says he, he's. Uh, we'd probably differ a little bit on this, Chris, because he's suggesting a different standard at the beach where it's not practical to dress like we normally dress. I don't think so. Uh, he says maybe in the workplace. Once Peter in John 20 knew he wasn't just amongst working folks. He put on his outer garment on, so a rule of thumb could be men should keep their shirt on in mixed company. Uh, you can't be expected to be treated by men as a gentleman if you don't act like a lady yourself and vice versa. Basically, we are wanting to live by his standards or the ones that are we wanting to live by his standards or the ones of the world around us. Modesty is rooted to someone's shame and embarrassment. Our hearts must be tender enough to realize we live in a sinful world and do not want to cause anyone to stumble. True, but if the standard is what I'm embarrassed by, some people are not embarrassed by anything. So we, that that's that's not the perfect rule either. All right. You, the chat room's going nuts here. We may get to, uh, some time here at the end. But let's go ahead and get your fourth question out of the way. Fourth and final question. Yeah. If we make wrong choices about the clothes we wear, what are the consequences that will follow? Clay says, a focus on the flesh instead of God. It's interesting to note in Genesis 3, clothing came hand in hand with sin. The more emphasis we place on our clothing, the more emphasis we place on our sinful flesh. Rather, if our emphasis is on God, then we will seek a clothing, uh, seek to clothe ourselves, uh, not to, not expensive clothing, but in good works. I right. thank you, Clay, for that and for participating on the program tonight. Mm-hmm. Ramona, again, you're asking if you make wrong choices about the clothes you wear, what other consequences will follow? In other words, are you opening the door for certain other sins, or is this an indicator that there may be other problems in your life? Ramona says you can have negative perceptions with people who observe you. They may see you as being loose, and you may get lewd comments. That's right. a good, good point there. Uh, you know, people can tell you're different by the way you dress. I think that's right. Hey, there's, a, there's a large Pentecostal community in Colombia, and you know the Pentecostals when you see them. Um, they dress in a certain way. Yeah. Uh, people know how you dress, and, and uh, they can tell I would wonder about the Pentecostals to some extent as whether they are trying to draw attention to themselves with the way they dress. They may be. But, but, in in our area, we also we have a number of Mennonites right, or some people, some people more familiar with the Amish. Right. And I, I, I could actually argue, I think, that they are dressing immodestly in, to the extent that they are trying to define themselves or draw attention to themselves by the manner of clothes that they wear. I'm not, obviously, it's, it covers more than adequately, but 
you know, if if we're trying to make a religious statement by the clothes we wear, like the priest who wears his collar turned around backwards, Mm -hmm. you know, I I think that's I'm not sure that that's what the Lord wants us to do that way either. That's true. But it, the point is, people can tell what kind of person you're yeah, right. dressed. Yeah. I mean, if you're dressing the way you should, they can be able to tell. Yeah. And just like someone mentioned earlier in Proverbs 7, the, the, the adulterous woman had the attire of a harlot. Right. If you dress that way, people know what you're about to. Right. Okay. You know, uh, there was an area I used to work in in Nashville, and uh, prostitutes frequented that street. And when you went at lunchtime, went down the road to the Wendy's restaurant or wherever you was going to go to eat, you seen those women walking up the street, and there was no doubt because of the way they was dressed and paraded themselves that that's what they were. And so when the Bible talked there about dressing the attire of a harlot, that's the picture I have in my mind. That's these women that were dressed in such a way as to purpose, purposely indicate what their profession was and what they were advertising for. Okay. All right. Uh, Ramona goes on. It can make other Christians and non-Christians who socialize with you uncomfortable. It can impair your relationship with those who uh, complain about your outfits. Uh, there can be negative religious perceptions. Is this how you want others to see you as a Christian? Thank you, Ramona. All right. Um, Chris in uh, Atlanta says people can get, in other words, if we dr- make bad choices about clothes, he says people will get the wrong idea. I see people wear revealing clothes and wonder what they are trying to advertise or what message they want to send. Wearing immodest clothing can cause others to stumble by lusting. It also tells the world that as a Christian we are not that different from the world, which is a wrong message to send, Romans 12, verse 2. As stated in the first question, we are to be light in this world and a good example. I think that's a good point about as we uh, as we know that Christians try and get close to the world, try and try and get, you know inch up towards that line. And Monty, uh, we're supposed to be doing the opposite of that, and uh, we need to make sure that we're taking a stand and we're being different than the world around us. We're not being conformed to the world, and that they that they can see that we're different. You know, if I seen a rattlesnake over here in the corner of the floor and I knew he could strike exactly three feet, I wouldn't get up to three feet one inch of him and try to see how close I could get without getting bit. I would want to keep a, 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 an abundant distance I'm leaving the room. Him. I'm yeah. leaving the room. Well, he's in well, the doorway. You can't get oh, out. Oh, well, I'll stay. Where do we want another door at? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the point is, if it's something that dangerous, we're not going to see how close we can get without getting hurt from it. Well, exposing ourselves... Our nakedness or dressing immodestly is something that dangerous. It's just as dangerous or really more so than the rattlesnake because the worst the rattlesnake can do is kill us. But our dressing improperly can cost us our place in heaven. And do we want to open the door for other people, non-Christians, to wonder, are they are, you know, are they what they need to be? Or do we want to open the door for Christians who see us to say, are they dressing the way they should? Or do we want to get far enough away from that line so no one questions that we're trying to live like God wants us to and we're trying to dress the way he wants well, us to dress? Well, if we're that dressed. close in our dress, they're going to say, well, he's not really that much different than me. I don't need to change. Right. And and, it, and they'll carry that idea into every aspect of our life that we're trying to teach him about. All right. And, you know, you talk about other uh, uh, if we, what other consequences will follow. I'll say, as Ramona mentioned, that uh, if we don't make a distinction in the way that we dress, we may lead others to believe that we're like them in other areas as well. We may be tempted. They may encourage us to sin with them in other ways because we've not drawn the line in our dress where we, they know that we're different just by looking at us. Oh, I'm not going to ask him to go out to the bar with me tonight because I know that he, uh, the way he dresses, he, he's not that kind of guy. Um, real quick. Let's, let's, oh, we, we, did, we didn't get Chris in no, the UK. Chris in the UK. He said... Uh, if we wear, make bad choices, what other consequences? People may feel free to view you as an object, not a person. They may see an invitation to come on, which will never can't be accepted, and so pass on resentment to others of your gender. It will be, a, if it is in a church setting, because people will be deterred from worshiping God by thinking about your attire. Okay. All that's good. Let me give you my list. I had written a list of things that bad choices lead to. Make bad choices about modesty. What it's going to lead to is more and more immodesty. In other words, once you cross that line, then... You become more and more risque with your clothing. Uh, it will. Uh, it, it tends to sh- uh, allow a tolerance for other forms of worldliness. Yeah. People who are immodest are usually also worldly in other ways. Yes. Uh, because if you if you take a stance that you're going to be immodest and nobody can tell you otherwise, then you begin to resist and resent plain Bible preaching on other subjects. Oh, that's just the preacher's opinion, and he's an old prude. Uh, we don't have to listen to him on that. Right. 
And so those are some of the consequences I see that come by making these wrong choices about clothes. And you mentioned there your heart begins to get calloused. That's right. If you're just not exactly comfortable with it, I'm going to do it anyways, though. You're starting to chip away at that conscience, and you will pay the price eventually. Exactly right. All right. Well, we've had a good discussion tonight, and we've missed a ton of stuff. The chat room has been real busy, but I'm sure that they made some good points to one another there. All right. We appreciate that. We appreciate your participation. Jack, by the way, way back up, Jack had a list of things that he saw as immodest. Okay. Low pants, midriff showing, bare shoulders, cleavage, low necklines, thin tops, tight form-fitted tops, tight pants, skirt slits that are too high. I'd agree with all those. All right. Monty, any further comments before we close? Well, the idea is that we don't need to try to see how close we can get to the line, but keep our distance and make sure that we're adequately and appropriately covered at all times. What's our focus, and what are we striving to be? Are we trying to be pleasing to God, or are we trying to be accepted by the world? And I think if we answer that question, it will help us as we determine what we need to be wearing. I think you're right. Thank you for your time tonight, Dad. Thanks, Jake. Thank you for joining us, and we hope that you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We hope you'll make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.